Welcome, everybody, to CFP Today, weekend edition, long weekend edition. Uh, let me just uh, paint the picture for you right now. Uh, the mobile CFP studio, also known as my car, uh, on my way to the airport. Uh, it's 5.30 in the morning after calling Hamilton against Montreal last night. Uh, by the time that I uh, took the dogs for a walk and then started to slow down a little bit with my mind because when you're calling a game your mind is usually going pretty quick even if it is a bit of a dud like the second half of that game was uh didn't get down until about midnight nice little nap wake up get the bags all pre-packed and out the door take a nice uh, slurp of the morning car coffee here for you it's some uh some some uh, cfl and tsn asmr here we go ready Iced coffee guy, especially in the summer. Uh, all right. This edition of CFP Today, I uh, just wanted to uh, kind of <laughs> tee up, essentially, what's happening between Ottawa and Saskatchewan, but also uh, look back at last night in the game that I did with Dwayne Ford. Uh, Montreal, I think, is a team that is dangerous in the playoffs if they are able to put it together because they've got just enough I think offensive firepower to make big plays and the more I see them kind of evolving throughout the year and this is the thing that that a lot of the time goes below the radar is it's really not about Toronto starting 6-0 and it's really not about um, teams being able to set a tone or define their play style or it's about how your play style evolves throughout the year it's the thing I always enjoy watching the most whether that's statistical tendencies or uh, regressions to the mean or teams that really surge forward, whatever it might be. Montreal, to me, going into last night, I had a couple of people ask me, hey, who do you think is going to win? Who do you think is going to win? And I said, Montreal. And a big part of that is not just that Bo Levi Mitchell being out and back on the six-game injured list after the lower right leg fracture that was, if you want my thoughts on that, you can go back in the, uh, the old CFP Today timeline here. Uh, but Taylor Powell, to me, they say a lot of nice things about him. He feels very much like a lot of other quarterbacks that have come and gone in the Canadian Football League where it's like, yeah, I'm I'm new here and I have to play and I'm going to do my damn best. And he is. Uh, but the fact is he's still a first-year CFL quarterback who's trying to figure it out. And the thing that you see so often with them is just lack of confidence in decision-making or processing. And coaches can say, as they have in Hamilton, oh, he makes all the reads and he makes so many smart choices and he has so much belief in his teammates. And That stuff's all great until people are trying to take your head off in the pocket. And then it starts to rattle your confidence. And then how do you battle back when Cody Fajardo ends up cashing into Regis Sibusu on a corner route, which, by the way, I said on the broadcast, bring back the tight end, man. Just inline tight ends, dudes at the end of the line of scrimmage who release and run routes. I love that stuff. I know it's not really the CFL game, but I, I still love that stuff. I will always love that stuff. It's the same as I always talk about fullbacks and how useful they are. Just blocking schemes and multiplicity and Montreal does that right. So when I see Regis Cibusu cashing in from Cody Fajardo uh, and the way that that impacts the game, it's like, okay, ding, 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 answer the bell. You're going to get up and go for the next round or you're just going to kind of sit there and run the football a couple of times and throw a check down. And the, the real truth of the CFL is that when a team gets up, 
they are in absolute control of dictating what the game is going to look like for the remainder of the game. That is just straight up the truth. It's whether it's run pass percentages or uh, the way that the defense is able to play. Do they sit back? Do they allow those yards after beatdown that Matt Dunnigan always talks about, but they really don't hurt themselves? And when you have a close game in the CFL, like we did last night, right? Low scoring, I think Orlando Steinauer called it a, a baseball score game uh, in his post-game press conference. When you have that, you have a couple of things that need to happen in order for the team that's behind to fight back in. And this is something that we've seen from the Ottawa Red Blacks a couple of times over the last month or so. You need to have the team from behind be willing to take risks. That is the first thing. You have to be willing to take risks, but not dumb risks, not throw it up into triple coverage and hope. You need to have the team that is behind take smart, educated risks and off-schedule risks. That means quarterback rolls to the right, he's looking down the field, does he take a home run shot? And if he does, is it going to be with confidence or is it just, I don't know, we're trailing, let me just flick this up into the air and see what happens? Because that's kind of been Taylor Cornelius's thing at various points throughout his time at Edmonton is, I don't know, we're behind, whatever, let's see if this one works. Uh, and so I am wondering as I'm watching that game last night, does Taylor Powell have that in him? And to be fair, only his second career start in the Canadian Football League. I don't think it was necessarily required for him to show that, but it certainly would have made things better. So that's the first thing. You have to be able to show risks. You have to take smart risks. You have to kind of validate those with your decision-making, and you have to make big plays. The second thing is, you have to make at least one play, and this is not not a scientific or an analytical way of looking at this, but this is just how I feel about games like last night. You have to make at least one play that you just should not be able to make. Be that a big punt return where the returner goes crazy and makes everybody miss. Be that a defensive play where it's uh, second down and the opposing quarterback decides to pull it on a, a zone read and you force a fumble and recover it and give your team great field position. In order to get back into a game, especially with a young quarterback, you have to have one of your other supporting units make a play that you just should not be able to make, to turn the tide, to get the ball back. And Hamilton not only didn't do that, they actually went the opposite way. Some of the plays I think that they should have had in that ball game against Montreal down the stretch, they just kind of hurt themselves, be it through penalty or otherwise. So the game unfolded the way that it did. Hamilton goes into a bye week. They'll have to, uh, it's the old adage of you know, reviewing everything we do and let's break it down. And here's the facts about Hamilton. They're hosting the Grey Cup this year. They've got a really talented roster. But without having the trigger man who's going to play with confidence and put the ball in smart positions, none of that really matters. Because Hamilton's defense straight up is not as good, anywhere close as good as Toronto's defense. I think Ottawa's defense is actually better than Hamilton's defense. I think the only team you might be able to say gives up too many big plays and in the big picture might be kind of toe-to-toe with Hamilton is Montreal, despite the fact that we saw them head-to-head last night, and the Montreal defense certainly got the better of the young quarterback. I, I mean, Montreal's defense is predicated on forcing a lot of two-and-outs, not getting a lot of sacks per dropback, and not giving up a ton of points, but they do give up a lot of explosives. And I think that's going to be a real problem down the stretch of the season, depending on who they're playing against in the Eastern playoffs. So right now, Hamilton is in trouble. 
they are in trouble. They are absolutely taking on water, and they have to find a way to get whoever's playing quarterback for them, whether it's Schiltz, uh, Taylor Powell, Bo Levi when he comes back, Kyle Loxley if they want to get him up to speed, Antonio Pipkin if he's forced into, into action. Whoever that might be, they have to find a way to fight back into football games and to also lead with some confidence. Because even when they were holding a one-score lead last night over Montreal, you knew Montreal was the better team in that game. Cody Fajardo made two really, really bad, terribly inaccurate throws. And that was the only reason why Montreal wasn't in control from start to finish of that thing. I've now called two games where Montreal has gone into Hamilton and just flat out look like the better team. They've already won the season series. And so Hamilton will try to reassess all of these things in their bye week. Montreal, they've got Saskatchewan. Uh, we'll talk more about that as we go throughout the week because Fajardo's return uh, against the Riders, I think, has all sorts of, of juicy storylines for very obvious reasons. But uh, for now, uh, I am off to Mosaic Stadium in Regina. You're not going to believe this, by the way. Uh, doing this from, as I said, off the top of the mobile studios. Uh, not, not a lot of traffic on a long weekend Sunday at 5.30 in the morning. Huh. Who would have guessed that? Uh, but the Ottawa Red Blacks... They came close to defeating Hamilton. I actually think that they should have. They should have taken advantage last Friday of the five interceptions that Bo Levi threw. Uh, they didn't. They didn't capitalize. I think Dustin Crum has a real opportunity to show that he wasn't just a two-game, uh, you know, fun story that really doesn't mean anything. He could actually go into Mosaic and use his legs a little bit and quiet the crowd on a long weekend Sunday night. That would be... That would go a long way to people not just going, oh, it was just a fun fourth quarter against Winnipeg and then a fun comeback against the Calgary Stampeders on the road. I would love to see the Ottawa Red Blacks come out and play in the first quarter or the second or the third like they have in the fourth. I think that's the biggest thing that I'm looking forward to in this game is just seeing, do they do they play hard for him the entire game or do they play hard for him because he makes them believe in the fourth quarter that they can come back? Because playing from behind is exhausting. Not just for fans who are sitting at home and, and just their hearts are stopping every time that Crum is trying to find Nate Bahar on a two-point conversion. Uh, which, by the way, I actually should have done a, a little mini-podcast on Nate Bahar. The conversation that I had with him at the end of the Ottawa-Hamilton game last Friday, where he basically ran the same little option route where he decided to break in. Uh, and it was knocked down by Casey Sales of the Hamilton Tiger Cats, and that was essentially the end of the ball game. And then Bo Levi broke his leg. Uh, but I, I, I said to Nate afterwards, "Man, you got like, you gotta have more than just like in or out in terms of an option route." And I wonder whether or not Ottawa has worked on expanding some of their goal line two point conversion type setups. Because it's pretty predictable if you go back and watch the film of what they've run. Uh, and Kahari Jones is not a, a very predictable guy. I, he believes in just guys getting open. But he also knows that he can certainly help by scheming people open. So I I would expect in this one, if it comes down to uh, you know third down passing situation, uh, goal to go situation, two point conversion situation, that there's going to be something different than Nate Bahar on an option route. Uh, or a fade to the back of the end zone from one of the slot receivers. Because that's kind of been like the two. I, I Listen, this dude, Dustin Crum, is pretty smart. I think we've talked about that enough on the broadcast. His degree, where he's from, you know, his educational background. 
I think he can handle more than two plays in those situations. Uh, but he has enjoyed, he said this week, being able to actually get his feet on the ground for longer than what felt like two, three days. He actually had a full week of practice. He actually had a chance to talk to some of his teammates and to work through some of the issues that they've had offensively. Does that mean anything when it comes to their passing efficiency numbers going into this game? Remains to be seen, uh, but it should be a fun environment at Mosaic. Thanks for listening to CFP today. Thanks, as always, to our good friends over at Fox 40 for uh, hanging out and having some fun with us here on the podcast. And uh, looking forward to Wade and Connor firing up our OUA coverage for you. It's going to be starting up very, very soon because this U-sports season, I can't believe how fast it is approaching. And uh, we're looking forward to getting some of those team previews out for you as well. So keep your eyes peeled for those, whether it be here on the podcast, a little bit of YouTube stuff as well as they head into the season. And uh, for now... Have yourselves a great long weekend Sunday, and I will talk to you coming up tonight from Regina, the CFL and TSN. Have a great day, everybody.